Welcome to the wonderful world of wine, exploring all things wine with you. We are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, and you can find us on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Oh, and welcome to today's show for the wonderful world of wine. How are you today, Mark? Everything's great, Kim. Wonderful. Always always good to talk wine with our listeners. Indeed. And often we like to talk about either wine science or wine terms or wine trends. And we happened upon an article in Wine Enthusiast that talks about what do we mean when we say fine wine? And What's really interesting about asking this question is sort of like we have a saying in in the beekeeping community that if you ask 10 beekeepers a question, you're going to get 10 different answers. I think that that holds true for this question. What do we mean when we say fine wine? And everyone seems to have a different opinion and fairly varied opinions, as was quoted in this article in Wine Enthusiast. How did you feel about some of the opinions here, Mark? They were kind of all over the map. Yeah, I think it's interesting. And I remember the first time I heard this years ago was retailers would say it to kind of separate themselves from the average wine store saying we only sell quote fine wine and it is a very vague thing so description vague. and really kind it, of snobby <laughs> yeah well there's no real regulated term to define right. it right and you started out saying i think retailers consumers non-wine drinking people all look at this differently. And we what all have was... different opinions as to what that little phrase right. could mean. So what's your definition of it, Kim? My definition of fine wine is like anything that's not grocery store jug wine. Like I, I think my bar is pretty low. <laughs> my description so, of fine wine. Like I think if it's well-made has. That's hard to define though. Cause it, well-made to, to you and well-made. To... Yeah, no, I know. And that's why I think maybe my bar is a little lower than other people's would be because I do kind of feel like, well, I think there is room for a lot of what is in the market to qualify as fine wine because the difference between, you know, a $10 bottle of maybe mass produced California wine and something from say Bordeaux or Beaujolais, you know, if you taste those blinds next to each other, sometimes you can't tell which is the quote unquote finer wine of the two. So I think just going by taste, a lot of things sort of fit the bill. There were a lot of opinions in here where people would say that fine wine, it only qualifies if it's like really hard to get or if it has a, a secondary market, which I think is completely unreasonable frankly. Yeah. We have another word for that called cult wine. Thing to, <laughs> but yeah, not only can't... that, because it's it makes the idea of fine wine be a product that is only accessible to a very, very, very small percentage of the population. And when I was reading this article and I ran across that quote from, I forget who the person was, saying that fine wine is wine with a secondary market. Secondary market tells me that that is auction wine. And there are so few people who are wine drinkers who are drinking wine that they are buying at auction. And I feel like we need less of that making wine unappealing because of that snob factor to the everyday wine drinker. Like 
no, <laughs> get rid of that idea. You can be drinking really good wine and what I would consider fine wine that's maybe 20 bucks a bottle. So, and certainly isn't going to be being sold at Sotheby's. So, right. yeah, I got a little. Can, can you tell that I got frustrated with that? Yeah. Well, the collectible <laughs> or the investors in wine is very small. So, I, I mean, you could put that term fine wine into just those people who are investing or buying an auction. It sounds like, though, you put fine wine at a, at a price point. Um, I think a little bit. There's I don't nothing think... wrong with your definition of it. Everybody's got their own oh, sure. thing of it. So, But I think that you know, could you have a bottle of what some might consider fine wine at a relatively inexpensive cost? Yes, I do. Yeah. I, I think everyone I don't think has... I want to put a price tag on it because, you know, I might tomorrow find some amazing thing from Portugal that nobody has imported yet and would only cost $10 US that maybe is if it was coming from a vineyard with pedigree and with hundreds of years of monks working the fields, then, you know, might might be a little bit more expensive. Yeah, I, I have it in my mind that if it's a small kind of family winery, it's a fine wine versus... Okay, so you're, for yours, so it's, it's more, more production? More production yeah. or the story and I can, And I it. can kind of get behind that. I'm, le I'm leading a little more from a taste profile, which, like you said, is harder to wrap one's brain around those concepts. Yours, I think, is a little bit more cut and dried. You're probably not thinking commercial wineries. You're thinking, you know, a wine that has a footprint and has actual people's hands on it. Yeah, people behind it. And right. our definitions are really different than a lot of the ones they gave, right? Mm -hmm. From what I read, I mean, one of the things was saying that it might be related to old world. Do we consider older, longer existing wine countries and winemaking? Is that considered a fine wine? So is France and Italy considered fine wine versus the US? I mean, in history's proven that not to be true when they had the Paris tastings, right? Mm -hmm. When the California wines beat out the French wines, but it's another way of looking at it. What were some of the other ones you thought for definition, Kim? So I think... I'm just scrolling through it a little bit here because there were so many opinions. Uh, one one of the people that they interviewed, and I forget who it was, did bring in the concept of taste and how much do you like it? So if this $100, $200 bottle of Burgundy isn't up your alley and you like a $15 bottle of Riesling instead, does that negate the concept of fine wine? Like I kind of like partially like the idea of it being based on your taste, but I think figuring in taste, but also the aspects of the wine that have that complexity to it. How does the wine taste and feel in your mouth? Does it have a long finish? You know, does it have all of those components that we talk about in wine classes that is a highlight to what is really the hallmark of a good wine? So I think there's sort of this question here of is a good wine just a fine wine under another name, another label. You know, we talk about terms all the time and, and it is really hard for wine people to sometimes agree on what terms mean. But I think this is one of those that is really vague and maybe there is no right answer, but it is sort of fascinating that some people are only associating it with the top domains and chateaus for these old world places. And then other people are like, no, it's kind of just what you like as long as it's good. Why can't that be called a fine wine? I like how you talked about 
taste because everybody's taste is different and, mm-hmm. and they mentioned the article quality category it might be a different quality category but who are we to say it's good quality if you don't drink a certain price point right or you right. can't afford a certain price point so quality all depends on your budget and your palate yeah and, and then you know bringing in that idea of taste well what if you really like or are behind some of these funkier styles of wine the um the natural wine movement and the orange wine movement there are stores and restaurants that are completely dedicated to those wines. And you, I think you would be hard pressed to go in there and like look around and say, no, none of these are fine wine. Even if they're different and maybe don't suit your palate, I think it's hard to look at entire categories and sort of turn up your nose at them and say, no, this can't possibly be considered fine wine. I think it does a disservice to the variety of wine drinkers who are out there. Kind of coming back to price again, you know, I I, I can't get away from this idea of like the snob factor. I feel like we should be embracing different palettes, different concepts of what is a good wine. As long as the balance and that quality aspect is there, you know, I, I feel like we don't need to be taking a few steps back and putting a cap on it and say, well, no, 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 that's not fine wine. Only this is considered fine wine. Like, I, I feel like that's going in the wrong direction. And you talked about specializing a certain type of wine. They mentioned about it could be related to viticulture or a winemaking practice or even mm-hmm. a terroir where you would consider, say, Burgundy because it's so unique and so special of terroir and, and soil with that it could be considered fine wine, could relate it to hand harvesting or organic and put those in different categories as a fine wine as well. So what we're really kind of showing everybody here is that it can be very vague and defined many different ways. Yeah. What about this? And maybe that's why there is no industry standard. Right. What about this, Kim? You, You have fine wine. How would you then say you're a fine wine specialist? I don't think you would. (laughs) A lot of times people who are trained in wine, they would say they're fine wine specialists, but they really probably don't. When you're really geeky, you're probably not spending any time with that lower entry level wines. Mm -hmm. You're not tasting that type of stuff. So Mm -hmm. it gets back to price point if you look at that, right? I mean, because they're looking at all the unique stuff, the geeky stuff, every different type of terroir and grapes from every part of the world. But I will say that I feel that there is value in every once in a while tasting one of those lower tiered wines just to give yourself perspective. Right. And we do blind tastings all the time at the school and sometimes they'll fool (laughs) you because there's very, very little bad wine on the market anymore. And even the really inexpensive stuff, maybe that little four pack of tiny little bottles that are in plastic now that, you know, you might take your little package home. Sometimes if you don't know what you're tasting, you can be fooled because they're fresh, they're fruity, they're easy to drink. There's not a whole lot of bad stuff out there. So I feel like that differentiation between fine wine and everything else is maybe a little blurry. It could also, you talked earlier about brands or the, the bigger, I was talking about big versus small. I think that small. was you, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you would define the market. Does the market or brand recognition set what the bar is for fine wine? Is 
there a value to that? So in other words, barefoot or gallo is not really marketing their wines as fine wine. Right. Right. So they're kind of setting the tone or the level where you should be considering what's fine wine because the big guys are not really marketing that way. Mm-hmm. They're, they're marketing the way you said. It's good wine. It tastes good. You just drink it, right? Yeah. We don't want to be snobby and say it's fine wine. We just say it's good wine. Yeah. I don't think it's a market really driven thing. Mm-hmm. But I, I, it all goes back to me. Is I remember first getting into the liquor business and you had to say as a retailer, you sold fine wines, but you really sold the same wines as everybody else because there was only so much wine at that time. Right. Right. So, only so uh, much in the market. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the marketing strategy behind it was at that time. Everybody had Blue Nun and Rianiti. And, right. But and I think very- at that point for American wine drinkers, there was always a little bit of an idea of sophistication that came along with wine drinking, maybe except for those of us that are all Italians, you know, drink wine as a matter of course. But I think that there's always been that perception of wine in America that there is something a little fancy schmancy about it, even if it is Blue Nun. And Have you ever heard the term used recently? What? Blue Nun? No, fine wine. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, I feel like I see it in like written publications all the time. Yeah. It's still, you know, it's a term that's out there. I'm just trying to think if I ever saw it like in a description or something. Mm -hmm. And maybe it's a term that is slightly out of fashion, which I wouldn't be surprised as well. Yeah. that's Maybe because we are trying to be more democratic with who is welcomed into the sphere of wine drinkers and wine knowledgeable folks. So I'm kind of hoping that's the case. It sounds to me like it was just something that was branded wrong from the start and it's everybody has their own Mm -hmm. definition of it. And that's probably the way it should be. Yeah, maybe. You're listening to The Wonderful World of Wine, and we are your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. If you want more information about Kim, please go to her website at commonwealthwineschool.com. If you'd like more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. You can find us here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. You can find us on Twitter at Wine Education and on Facebook at The Wonderful World of Wine. Next, we have an article that was actually a blog by, is it Tablas? Tablas Creek. Tablas Creek. Creek. And they, they write a very good wine blog. Interesting look at the dilemma of, quote, made with organic wine, mm-hmm. organic grapes, and comparing organics and wine. Kim, what was your initial take on it? This is a winery, and this is their blog. So maybe take it with a grain of salt, but I like that they put their opinion out there about this. And I think that it does make some good points in that the organic wine rules are more stringent than organic food rules. And that for whatever reason, if it is there were certain powerful players when the rules were being created, wanted to make sure that in no place and in no way could sulfites be included for organic wines. And I don't know if that is true with organic foods. Did you do any research to see if organic foods can't contain sulfites as well? Or is this I think that's what they were saying for wine? They were saying that if you compared, they looked at fruit snacks and they said it's made with fruit. 
Right, right. But, it but has I mean, like, a bunch so, of additives. So they were. I would assuming they were saying those additive sulfites can be in a lot of. Well, foods but that. But I mean, the you know fruit roll-ups or whatever they're talking about. Those aren't. They're not talking about those being organic. They're just looking at the labeling laws and saying, okay, you know, you can say that made with anything fruit. it it's made with fruit and right. kind of full stop. It's like, well, yes, that's true. It is made with fruit, but you know, the marketing makes it seem like there's more healthful. <laughs> Right. ingredients and there probably are no my question was more like okay if you have organic dried apricots say are sulfites not allowed to be included in those if you have organic frozen french fries are organic well usda certified organic i yeah. would assume it's the yeah. same law no that you cannot i, have I don't know they seem to be sort of insinuating that this is a wine specific it's interesting how you read the articles and how I see the articles. Because I was thinking they were saying using the term it's made with organic doesn't necessarily mean it's as good as USDA certified organic, which we talk about a lot. But in food, I, I guess you have more play maybe than wine. Is that kind of- That was kind of like what I thought maybe they were getting at. Yeah. Well, refresh our listeners. The whole thing is based on wine is based on sulfur. So anything that's above 10 pots per million in in a wine they cannot say it is USDA certified organic because it's all based on it has to be no sulfur added it it has naturally occurring sulfite but they can't add any so that's what it's based on but you can still say made with organic grapes they were having an issue with saying thinking it's healthy because it's organic grapes but they're mm -hmm. still adding sulfur or they're still might be using non-organic yeast or non-organic water or something like that to yeah. make the wine. The, the thing that we like to talk about when we want to differentiate a bottle between of something that does have that organic certification versus made with organic grapes is we say the organic certification sort of stops at the winery door, that everything that happens out in the vineyard has to follow all of these organic prescriptions. But then once it gets into the winery, depending on what you do in there, kind of makes or breaks whether it gets to be called an organic wine. Right. And the TTB just had this huge, did you see recently, they just came out with something saying there's too much deception as far as wineries saying things are healthy or clean. Mm -hmm. The I clean thing. Yeah. I mean, they just, you can't state a lot of stuff they're saying where it's good for you or this or that it, because people the consumers are looking for those things for health benefits and i think this is another thing where the consumer where they see organic made with organic anything they see organic on it they're automatically thinking oh this is the best mm -hmm. for them and it's not if you are somehow affected allergic to sulfur because you could still have a reaction very small chance but you still could. What's your thoughts on how the consumer, you think the consu average wine consumer understands the whole made with or organic grape? Um, I think that people understand now that when you see on a labeling that there are organic grapes in there, you have an idea that at least some of these are made with organic grapes. But I think that they do bring up a good point that if it says made with organic grapes, how many of those grapes were organic? You know, <laughs> right. I think that's the hard part is being able to differentiate whether that wording on the label is the producer actively trying to give you information about the way that those grapes are, in fact, grown 
or is it a marketing ploy? Because they know that that is such a word that elicits you know, sort of emotional reactions from people. And a lot of people, when they're shopping, that is what they are looking for. So for products that are not the, just the raw material, you know, like walking through your produce, produce section and pick up a head of broccoli and you've got an organic head of broccoli versus a not organic head of broccoli. It's different when it's a loaf of bread or container of yogurt or a bottle of wine, because once you take that organic certification off of there, it does get very murky and you, the consumer, really don't know if you are getting a wine that all of the grapes in there are grown organically or is only a small portion of them made with organic grapes. I think it's really, really hard to tell. Have you ever seen a percentage on that where it has to be mm. not? I've never seen a percentage no. where it has to be 80%. No, because that made with organic whatever is not regulated. Right. So you, so, could, you could have an organic Cabernet that's 75% organic Cabernet, but the other 25% could be non-organic. Well, it wouldn't be an organic else. Cabernet. It would just say made with organic grapes. Right. right? But if it says made with organic grapes and the varietal says Cabernet. I don't think that you have any it, idea. It could only be the Cabernet that's in the, the, the other. Oh, I see would... what you mean. Because the because of the law saying that it only has to be 75% of that varietal. I actually don't think that that would have anything to do with it, honestly. Meaning the bigger percentage is organic, so it's okay? Is that what you No, that meaning? like, say you're making a Cabernet that's a wine that's 80% Cab and 20% Merlot. Right. And you only use organic Cabernet and you use not organic Merlot. Yeah. I think on the label, there are still you can still put Cabernet Sauvignon and made with organic grapes. Right. And right. you don't have to say anything beyond that. Right. That's what yeah. I was kind of Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of yeah yes, yeah. I agree with you. So you still, you still have no way of, of no, knowing. No, you still have no way of knowing. Yeah. Nope. It's something I have to ask you. Do you think it's worse that an American company says made with organic grapes when there's not an all organic product or an imported wine winery that practices organics but doesn't tell you? In other words, they don't put it on the bottle. Do you think that's worse? Why would that be worse? But that's what I'm asking you because a lot of times imported wines, like Italy or Spain, they're big in organics and they're doing mm-hmm. organics, but they don't mm-hmm. they don't put it on the label. Maybe because they but don't you, consider it to be a marketing gimmick. They believe in it. Exactly. So you can't find it on a label. You'd have to research. Right. But then to me, it's almost the same thing as saying it's they're not telling it. So I can't believe it. Is that, that makes sense? Like the they're not putting it on the label. So if someone will tell me, oh, they all they do is organic. I'll, I'll be like, why is it yeah. on the label? Well, they don't yeah. put it if on the label. If it's not right, but so it's like I don't know. I, under, I understand more. because I feel like we've probably both been in situations where, you know, a supplier has been like, oh, yeah, you know, they're practicing organic, but they're not certified. It's like, right. yeah, yeah, I've heard this right. so many times. Yeah. Or so, maybe it's because yeah. So take year, it with a grain of salt. Yeah. Um, what worries me on that, Kim, is I probably got the one vintage they had to use chemicals or something, right? If you're not certified, it's probably because you didn't have the consecutive years or something, maybe yep. where you could get certified. So maybe or you I'm didn't want to pay the ridiculous fee. Yeah, or they're sending the non-organic stuff over here and keeping the organic stuff at home. Oh, are you, you know? one of those? Well, I'm just, uh, you know, <laughs> if the U.S. sees a value in, I don't want to say deceiving, but using it as a marketing term, I don't see why other countries wouldn't knowing they're going to sell their product in America. To me, they're on the same level. 
it's I don't know who to believe as a consumer, as a purchaser. I don't know in the wine world anymore. Who do you trust? Mm -hmm. The guy selling me that bottle, I want to look at it myself. You know what I mean? I want to research it. Yeah. You want to be able to trust who you're buying the wines from so that you then can pass that trust along to your customers. Do you have a lot of people asking you about organic wine? Not really. It seems to be trending a little bit more. People seeking it out. I'm glad the TTB's cracking down on the health stuff. Mm. Yeah, me too. You know, we talked about the sugar and all that mm-hmm. other people saying they're healthy wines, they're fit wines. Mm. <laughs> I think that they should crack down on that. Yeah. So. I have had a lot more um, conversations with people recently about natural wines. And I think organic sometimes will play a part in that. But overall, yeah, I, I feel like I bump into that issue, you know, of the uncertified organic vineyards all the time because so many of the wines that we use in our classes are from Europe um, and not from the U.S. So we really do see that an awful lot. Did they talk about natural wines and organic in this article? I I don't think they mentioned natural, did they? No, I don't think so. So would you consider if someone is a natural wine versus using an organic grape to be better, healthier? I frankly don't care that much. About the whole health implications of wine. Uh, I mean, that came out wrong. I am less concerned about drinking an organic wine than I am about drinking a delicious wine. Right. So if the natural wine is good. Oh, if the natural wine is good, I'm totally drinking it. But if the the winery can't tell me that they use pesticides or whatever, I'm not going to be like, oh, I'm not going to drink your wines because it's not organic. So the natural wines could be organic grapes Mm -hmm. made with less intervention, but right. it could also be non-organic grape. But have you ever seen natural wine that says made with organic grapes? I don't drink enough of them that I yeah. have paid any attention to um, looking at any labels. I probably should. <laughs> yeah. You know, that's probably a, a segment of the wines out there that I should pay a little bit more attention to, but I can't say that I have very much experience with them. I think it, it's something I've never noticed saying they're natural and they're organic or they're natural and biodynamic. It's it's almost like yeah. they you're or assume, maybe it, it's you know? it should just be understood yeah. that if these kind of fall under, but then the whole quote unquote natural, that's not regulated either. Right, so right, exactly. how do you know what falls into that category? So it's very, it's very hazy. Right. Thank you for joining us today on The Wonderful World of Wine. We've been your hosts, Mark Lindsay and Kim Simone, exploring all things wine with you. For more information about Kim, please go to her website at commonwealthwineschool.com. For more information about myself, please go to franklinliquors.com. You can find us here every week on Franklin Radio, WFPR 102.9 FM. You can find our past episodes on SoundCloud or iTunes. If you have any questions or comments, please find our Facebook page, The Wonderful World of Wine, and contact us there. Cheers. Cheers.